This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. Well, this uh, morning, we're going to jump into still the same sermon theme, the, the Father Heart of God. And and we've been uh, discussing this uh, since uh, last September. Uh, I say we take breaks uh, December and, and Resurrection Month. But um, this is, a, I think, a very powerful um, topic today. Um, because a lot of times people uh, neglect the, the, the prophets, particularly the minor prophets. And we say minor, but minor doesn't mean that they're, they're minor to God. It just means the, the book is shorter. Right, and you, you have to understand once you do get into the prophets, uh, what what's happening is that Israel, when the prophets start coming, Israel's in a time of of sin, and because they are in a time of sin, God has to send perpetually these prophets to Israel to try to turn them around. Um, could you look in the stroller? <laughs> I think that's where it is. Um, and so as Israel uh, falls into sin, God sends these prophets to remind them of, of the covenant, of the law. And it's hard for um, people to, to respond because the culture has been so pervaded by, I'd say, the world or the nations. And we get into uh, Zephaniah, who means it's like hidden God or God is hidden in this prophet. Truly, God isn't hidden at this point. It's that people stopped looking to God. During this time, there's been a succession of, of kings. Now, we know in the northern kingdom, uh, how, out of the 19 kings in the northern kingdom, how many of them were, were good kings? Zero. The northern kingdom had 19 kings, and not one of them was a good king. All of them were evil. But the southern kingdom actually had 20 kings, and out of the 20 kings, 12 of them were evil. That means how many were good? Eight. Eight. Don't mess with my math, man. <laughs> you almost got me. Uh, eight, yes, thank you. <laughs> so eight were good. Now understand that these, these good kings were sometimes, I'd say, relatively good, but they were good as it pertained for them to follow the law. As they were obedient to the law, God called them good. Now, the problem is during the time of Zephaniah, the northern kingdom has already been obliterated. They're, they're done. They're wiped out right? They, they didn't listen to the prophets, and they were judged. They were, they were sent into exile. But now, the southern kingdom is still around. And, and right before Zephaniah, there were, there were two other kings. And, and everybody know the name of one of the better kings of revival reform. His name was Hezekiah. And, and King Hezekiah, he started a, basically a revival, spiritual, military revival in the southern kingdom. And because of his commitment to turn back to God, God blessed the, the southern kingdom of Judah. They were blessed. And, and they had this great, what I would say, renaissance for, for a season when he was alive. 
People were turning back to God. He tore down all the idols, all the, all the idolatry was kicked out. All the people who were practicing witchcraft, mediums, they were gone. They were kicked out of the kingdom of Israel, and they were blessed. But Hezekiah eventually what? He, he passed away. And then Hezekiah had a son. And does anybody know what Hezekiah's son's and his first son's name was? Manasseh. And we know Manasseh was wicked. The Bible says when Manasseh was the king, Israel at that time was more wicked than the Canaanites. They were were practicing habits and actions that even the people in the world didn't even do. And because of that, this king was considered wicked evil. And, And God starts sending prophets. And these prophets came to him and were telling him, judgment is coming. Just like what happened to the northern kingdom, judgment is coming to the southern kingdom. And, and, and Manasseh didn't really listen until he got captured and taken into captivity. Now, one thing happened, even though this king was seeking mediums and witchcraft, worshiping false gods and false idols, uh, the Molech, the god who had sacrificed their children, fertility gods, he, he built up the altars that his dad had tore down, the false worship that his dad had got rid of. He did the exact opposite than his father Hezekiah. And even though he did the exact opposite, even though he was sent away, when he was away, he did something amazing. He humbled himself and repented. He turned to God as he was in captivity. And what do you think God did? God heard him. And he restored him. And he became a king again. And he learned his lesson. He started tearing down the altars that he had put up. Now, the people didn't always come back to God. But he still, as a king, Manasseh, turned his life around. He repented. And that shows some amazing mercy and grace from God to do that to somebody who had led his people astray. I thought Manasseh, if anybody, should be wiped out. But God showed this king mercy as well. But then Manasseh, he died too, and he had a son Amnon. And this dude was, was wicked. He was evil. And he was so evil, his people conspired against him, and they killed him. And the people thought they were doing God a favor by killing the king. They assassinated the king. They're like, oh, we did God a favor. What do you think happened to those people? They were all wiped out. God didn't play that rebellion. Nevertheless, they were wiped out, and then they needed a new king. This is the time Zephaniah comes. See, for years, the the Jewish people at that time in Judah, they, they didn't even read the law. They didn't even know where the law was, the Bible. And, and during this time, a young king of eight years old comes to the throne. And does anybody know his name? Josiah. Josiah becomes king at eight years old. Now, the high priest at the time kind of carried the weight of the kingdom until Josiah got old enough. But nevertheless, the hope was through the high priest and through the prophets, they would get this king to turn to God. And he did. At the age 28, while someone was in the temple, they found the Bible. And they started reading it. And they were like, oh my goodness. They took it to Josiah and said, look, look, this is what the word of God says. And Josiah read it and what he repented. He's like, oh no. No wonder why all these prophets are coming talking about judgment. Because we're not even doing what God's word says we need to do. So another revival happened. And the people started turning back to God. But then eventually, you know, Josiah got proud. 
He, he entered a war he should not with Egypt. He got shot by an arrow and died. But we see here in these various kings, God's great mercy and love. Now, the, 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 the land at the time kept being, in a sense, overcome or, or taken over or influenced by the world. But it was up to the king and the priest to stand against those forces. And sometimes they did good, and sometimes they did not. But through this story, I believe we'll see some great, hopefully, points we could take away today for our own lives. Because even though we look at, at them and we, we kind of judge, we look down at them, we're no better sometimes. Sometimes even though we are Christians that have God's spirit in our bodies, in our temples, we still stray in our hearts from God. And the good thing is, even though we stray, if we humble ourselves, we can come back to God. He can restore us. Now, today's message is not necessarily about restoration, but, but about a hope. Because when you, when you go to the scripture, there's this day coming to the entire planet. There's more references to this one day than any other theme in the entire Bible. And that day is called the day of the Lord. There's more references to the day of the Lord than any other reference, any other theme in the entire Bible. And the day of the Lord is a day of judgment. God is coming to judge the planet. That is what salvation means. You are being saved from God's judgment. People sometimes have the script flipped, and when they think about salvation, they simply think, oh, I'm not going to hell. Yes, that's, a, that's, that's true. But hell doesn't exist forever. Hell itself one day will be gone. But here, when we talk about the day of the Lord, God's judgment is coming on the entire planet. Everyone is going to be judged. Everyone. And the only people who miss that judgment are those people who put their faith and confidence in the Messiah, in Jesus. And here we have Zephaniah giving this prophecy about this day that's coming in the future. This day when those people have placed their confidence in God are now rejoicing with God. And what's interesting about the Bible, and that's why my theology lives different than most people, I don't think God sees stuff in, in a linear fashion. I believe eternity is like circular. So sometimes we hear the prophets talking about something, and they're, they're talking about images and sights they're seeing. And, and things are happening verbatim because they're really seeing these scenes. And to me, just like Gandalf was talking to Pippin there about these white shores you see after you die, he's saying, from experience, I've seen this. Like, I know what it's like once you die, and it's not just over. It's not, you don't no longer exist, but, but there's this white shores. And you see Pippin looking at his eyes like, oh, he had a hope. He's like, that, that's not so bad. And here, I believe, even though Zephaniah is preaching judgment, judgment is coming, he also gives this glimmer of hope. He's like, yes, judgment is coming, but there's this hope for those people who do turn it around that one day they will be with the Messiah forever and ever. And then we begin to see some attributes of what Jesus Christ will be like and how we'll interact with him and how he'll interact with us. Got a quote and we'll jump into the text. We won't be long today. It says, every time I stepped onto the stage as Jesus it felt like someone was pouring some honey into my body. It was amazing. An amazing feeling. And then when I had to let it go of it, it was hard. See, there's just something about Jesus Christ. 
whether it's simply acting or in reality, there's, there's a power that comes with that. And to me, that's where we draw all our life from. That's what here at Endurance Church, we, we focus on one thing, you and your relationship with God. That's all we care about. If you're right with God, all the other ducks should fall in alignment. But if your relationship with God is wrong, there's not much we can do to help. Oftentimes, people come to me for counseling, and, and, and they have attitudes or, or issues or problems. And the first thing I'm always thinking is, how's your, how's your walk with God right now? Are, are you praying? Are you reading your Bible? Like th- That's where my mind goes. Because if you're doing that, then we have something to work with. Because you have your North Star, right? But if your vertical alignment is off, then I can't really help you on the rest. Get right with God, and he'll get right with you. All right, here we go. Zephaniah. Here, Zephaniah chapters 1 and 2, he's basically talking about how God owns everything. And that's the first problem with all of reality. God is sovereign. That's the problem most people have with life. Oh, God's in control, not me. And that's when people have a problem. How many, when, when you're not in control of your life, you feel a little bit trepid. You're a little scared at that moment. Well, you don't, I mean, if you got, I have my little Franklin Covey planner. Anybody has a Franklin? Uh, that, I'm a little old. Uh, that's showing my age. But nevertheless, I have a Franklin Covey planner. Okay, you, me, just me and Don, right? And every, and every morning I sit at my desk and I write down my to-do list. And if I'm doing my to-do list and I get through it, yes, I had a good day. Even if it was like a bad day, I still got to my to-do list. I'm, I'm good. I feel like I'm in control. I know what's next. I know how much effort I need to put into it. And I get down to the last one. I check it off. I'm like, yes, the day is done. Now, if I forget that Franklin Covey planner, I'm lost. I'm like, oh, my God, did I forget something? So I'm checking my phone, looking to see if I put it in my counter. I'm lost. I'm like, oh, no. So I don't even like that feeling of not being in control. Truly, the Franklin Covey is an illusion because I'm not in control of anything. None of us are. But where do we get our confidence from if we're not in control of our reality of our life? It's from God. How you respond to that truth determines the quality of your relationship with God. Here, he's been saying, God's in control, but Israel has not liked it. Not only Israel didn't like it, but the nations have not liked it. Here, Israel is going to be judged. This is the southern kingdom at this point. Judah is going to be judged, and also the nations around Judah is going to be judged as well. They're going to be judged. Why? Because they are sinning as well. God is in control of the entire planet. And now he goes into this point right here. He says, I'm going to judge. I'm going to judge. Therefore, wait for me, says the Lord. Until the day I rise up for plunder, my determination is to gather the nations to my assembly of kingdoms, to pour on them my indignation, all my fierce anger. All the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. You don't hear that too many times, preach. (laughs) Wait a minute. God's angry. And and, and what's interesting about this word anger, it's actually like a simmering that turns into a boiling. Uh, I remember when I was younger, and I said, hey, I'm going to cook some milk. I don't know why. Maybe I was cooking some macaroni and cheese. I don't know what I was thinking. But nevertheless, I had milk in the pot. And I turned on high. 
And I looked at it as I was like paying attention at the moment because I thought it was going to be like water, right? You turn it on and it just simmers and just steam and then you walk away and you come back like two minutes and right, it's just steaming and now it's bubbling. But that's not what, what happened with the milk. What happened is I turned that milk on and it started simmering a little and I walked away and next thing I know the the fire alarm was going off in the house. I'm like, what? And I come back, and, and the milk is like bubbling and spilling all the side. I'm like, ah, what's happening? Well, th- this, is, this is indignation. It's like irritation. God has been irritated because he's been simmering with the southern kingdom for a while. He's been giving them a chance. He's been sending them prophets over and over, but they have not humbled themselves and repented. So all of a sudden, God flipped. He started bubbling over. And now he's about to pour out his wrath. And now, remember, who is listening to this? Who's the king at this time? Josiah. This is why he's like, wait a minute, we need to get right with God. What's going on? And they found the word. They're like, yes, now we can get right with God. It goes on, all my fear, saying all the earth. Now, understand, all the earth means what? All the earth. Just in case you're wondering what all the earth meant. Just in case. Shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. This is coming. This is reference to the day of the Lord. Now, listen to this. It says, for then... This is an indicator, a temporary meaning time. It's, it's focusing on this right here, this day. For then I will restore to the peoples a pure language. I love that. That they may call, that they may all may, excuse me, let me say it one more time. That they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. Now, this is the one point you have to get whenever you read your Bible. When judgment comes, God's not simply just trying to punish. He's trying to purify. We live in a day and age now where we are very much aware and conscious of how we discipline our kids, right? There, I mean, right now, there is a line you cannot pass. Why? Because people have been abusing kids for years. So they're like, we're going to stop this. No more, no more stern disciplining. But, but here, God is disciplining for the purposes of purifying. And people realize, I said earlier today, I said, God promised us tribulation. It's not simply he's trying to punish the church. Do you know how we go through Tribulation. So that we may be purified. Now, understand, there will be people who are going to make it through this time of of God's wrath. A remnant, the Bible often says, will will remain. But when, when, when these judgments came, there were people who were doing right, who lived through these times. Just like the people who were doing evil who did not. Understand, God knows how to keep a remnant. He knows how to protect those people who've committed themselves to him. But... But regardless of what we see in left behind movies, like it's, it's hard for God to, in a sense, okay, I'm going to blow up this city and save that city right there. Like, like he, he has a way of doing that, but what he does is blitzkrieg. But he protects those people who are with him. That's his sovereignty. That's his ability to do that. But what happens is when these people are purified, then what happens is they will serve him on, 
on one accord. There comes a unity after this purification. Now listen to this. We, we talked about all people here, all the earth. Listen to this. From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my worshipers, the daughter of my dispersed ones, shall bring my, my offering. Here, I, also, you know, Ethiopians are the, the, the people from Cush, some uh, uh, translations say. But, but nevertheless, it's, it's referring to specifically the nations. So there, it's not saying these people who he's talking about are simply Jewish people. Because remember, the northern kingdom had been eradicated at this particular point. This is very new. And those people were eradicated by the Assyrians, which is not southern or south of them. This is where Ethiopia is south of, of Israel. But, but beyond these rivers of Ethiopia, way down south, maybe even Africa, some area, these people should come back to God. These people have been purified. It says, in that day you shall not be ashamed for any of your deeds in which you transgressed against me. For then I will take away from your midst those who rejoice in your pride, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. So at that time, at this time, there shall be one people with one heart and one accord, not in pride. Because pride is what brings division. But, but this purification process eliminates the pride. That's what it does. It eliminates those people who thought they could do it without God. If you go back to Zephaniah, there were some very particular sins that they were doing. They weren't praying. Do you know that God doesn't... Imagine like I'm married to my wife. And, and first of all, idolatry is you, you were loving somebody else. So I just started loving somebody else. I just have two wives. And then I'm not even talking to her. How do you think my wife would respond to my actions? Can you say it? No, no, don't say it. <laughs> She's not going to respond favorably. She's going to be upset. This is the Lord saying that. So he has to remove these people who have not committed to their relationship with him. So that the remaining could be on one accord. In this holy mountain, none of these people who are proud shall be there. In 12, it says, I will leave in your midst. Listen to this. In contrast to the proud person, who's staying? The meek and humble. The meek and humble. Almost sounds like Jesus. It says, who the meek shall do what? Inherit the earth. And they shall trust in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel shall do no unrighteousness and speak no lies, nor shall deceitful tongue be found in their mouth. For they shall feed their flocks and lie down, and no one shall make them afraid. You're like, man, this is a great turning point. Because remember, at this particular time, judgment is coming. Josiah, remember, is going to fall back in arrogance and pride to get killed. And in Israel, the southern kingdom is going to be taken in Babylonian captivity. All these other prophets are prophesying this. Like, judgment is coming. But in the midst of judgment, there's a ray of hope. God hadn't let you down. If these people who are faithful during this time here, they're probably saying, what about me, God? I've been doing everything right. And he's like, I know I got you. You just keep moving forward. 
Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. What's the irony? Judgment is coming. But he, he's saying, but you can still rejoice. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemy. The king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. And you shall see disaster no more. So if you see, why in the world does Israel have any reason to be rejoicing and shouting? Why don't they have to be afraid anymore? Because Jesus is with them. The king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. And that day, and that future, this prophet has seen this. And he's like, look, during this day, during this time, it's all good. You're okay. Troubling times are ahead, but look, I've seen the future. And for the righteous person, you can, you can start rejoicing already. In that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, do not fear, Zion. Let not your hands be weak. This is this, this word phrase for, I don't know if you're playing football. Sometimes you're, you're nervous and you feel like they, they would have your knees shaken, Right? Like your knees knocking, they would say knocking. That's like when your arms are weak, it's like your knees are knocking. Like you don't have to be afraid to be paralyzed because, because of judgment. Because God will keep you if you remain faithful through the storm. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Now, everybody remembers we talked about this trip before. This is a scene of Jesus in Israel. He, he's there. This is the prophet. He's seeing this. And he's seeing Jesus dancing wildly. That's what this scripture means. Jesus is acting up. If, if you remember David, he was dead so hard. What happened to him? His robe and clothes fell off. Like, this is, this is analogous to Jesus getting busy. And people are seeing Jesus, and you're like, wait a minute. That's Jesus. He's shouting. And you're like, oh, if, if my God, my king is going to shout, what does that mean? I'm going I'm to shout too. Why? Because it's over. The war is won. He's like, don't, don't be discouraged. Difficult times are coming. But he's like, man, I've seen this sight in the future. And let me tell you what I saw. I saw, I saw your king. And look at, oh, he's, he's dancing. He's, man, he's spinning around singing over you. Because you remain faithful during the storm. After God's judgment of the world, the faithful remnant will finally be able to receive the full expression of his boundless love. I have several friends in my life who don't have great social skills. I have a couple of kids who don't either, to be honest. And, and, and when you don't have good social skills, sometimes you don't know how to act appropriately in a given context. I, I think we're going to be tripped up or amazed at how God acts. I don't even know if he's going to have the right social skills, right? I think he's going to act like how he acts. And, and we're going to see him lavish his love on us. And for the first time in all eternity, we'll be able to receive it. And he's waiting for this moment to be able to love on you 
the way you needed to be loved one. Now, I can't promise you'll be loved the way you needed to be loved here on earth, the way God's going to love you there. I don't know how you can be loved that way now, but it's coming. I can say with confidence, he's going to love on you like you've never been loved on before. I can say that with confidence because it's coming. You just got to be faithful. Despite the challenges that are to come, and faithfully keep moving forward into the loving arms of God. There's always difficult times. And now, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I get people who send me prophecies all the time. Like, I can't tell you how many people, anybody like on Facebook, like, send you prophecies all the time. They think, because well, you're a pastor, you, you got the direct line to God. So everybody's like, this is what God's telling me. And some of them are actually right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm like, I'm trying to post, like, tell me more. But, but, but they're saying there, there are challenging times ahead. We talked about this morning, there, there are aircraft carriers that are going where right now? To Iran. Do you know that's been prophesied that there's going to be a third world war and it's going to be with Iran? So, uh, because Iran wasn't always Iran. Iran was a one time what? Say it again. Babylon. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> you, you gotta understand like what's happening like this is coming love trust and obey God regardless of the cost until his plan can unfold so that he can finally fully love you the way he's always wanted to there's a plan that's, that's happening on the planet right now and it's God's plan and it takes time and don't let time trip you up. Like, you know the end. You're sure of that. So if you know the end of the story, how, how many people here read the end of the book before you get to the end of the book? Anybody in here, you like that? Oh, you? Yeah, Donna. Sometimes I do it, particularly if it gets a little scary. I'm like, wait a minute, let me see if they're going to make it. I don't see them on this page. Oh, I ain't going to read that. I'm done. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, even if it's like my wife, she loves like TV series. I don't do good on those. But I go to the last one. I'm going to see what's going to have burn notice. I went to the end. Burn notice. I went to the very, I went to the end. I'm sorry. I did not do it with Infinity Wars or Endgame. Just so you know, I was brave. But I was scared at other times. But, but, but I'm sorry, guys. We, we have spoilers. God's already given us a spoiler. Like he's winning and dancing in the end. It's, it's, it's sure. We need to know this so that we can remember to stay faithful to God regardless of what we see or hear on the news. I, I, I don't normally give like prophetic messages, but we're, we're moving that direction because I said we're going to the Holy Spirit coming in September and then we'll move forward to the, the gifts of the Spirit later on. But I'm not saying right now, thus save the Lord. I'm just trying to say, I see the times. There's wars and rumors of wars. You see that. It's, like, it's coming. These are the last days, but they've been the last days since Jesus came. But I'm not the person saying, hey, it's going to be okay. He's delaying. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm like, no, get right now. Because tomorrow is not promised. God can't wait for you to get home so he can love on you. In the end, God is loving on you. Now, what's awesome is, imagine Zephaniah the prophet. Imagine this, if he's looking in the future and he sees you. He didn't know your name, but he saw you. He saw you and he saw Jesus dancing over you, singing over you. 
This life is what determines where you're going to end up. Are you going to end up in Zephaniah's field of vision or not? Remember, God's excited about this moment. Are you? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this opportunity, Lord God. Thank you for your people. My prayer, Father God, is they have a heart that is encouraged this morning. I pray, Father God, that they could draw closer to you, Lord God. As they do so, Lord God, they'll, they'll be changed and transformed into the image of your son. I pray they can live a life that pleases you. Protect them. Provide for them, Lord God. Prosper them for your namesake. In Jesus' name I pray. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. We humble ourselves in your sight. We confess that there is no other hope And we repent, God, for our wicked ways I repent, God, for my double-mindedness My heart's so proud Quickly to cling to another I've been leaning on the wisdom of man And I've been leaning on the last of the flesh And I've been grieving the Holy Spirit And now I fall face down, down, down And I repent And I tear my heart, I rip it open, all that I've been holding on to, when you are forgotten, I take my heart and willingly, I rip it open. I only want to cling to you I don't want to cling to another I've been chasing all those other loves And I've forgotten you Now I take my heart And I humble myself in your sight And I
So come break the chains, the chains that hinder love. All that remains of yesteryear. Come break the chains, the chains that pull me down. Come break the chains and draw me near. And let your Let your fire burn, consuming me. Let your jealous flame come and write your name upon my heart. Till all that remains is the light of your countenance. And I will be satisfied when I As a lover of you, as a lover of you, whatever it takes, take it away, whatever it takes, just take it away, whatever it takes, take it away, whatever it takes. Until all that remains is the light of your countenance And I will be satisfied when I awaken as a lover